Well, Radiant Bible Church, uh, it is so good to be with you in kind of what is our abnormal uh, normal now. Uh, these certainly are kind of a push off our bikes days. And know that uh, I've been praying and we've been praying that during kind of all of these bumps and uh, bruises and hurts that take place when we kind of get pushed off our bikes, that we would be intentionally and intensely leaning into the Lord uh, during this time, just to lean in to grasp a hold of who He is and all that He would have for us do th- during this time. You know, it is times like these that the Lord uses to press us into Him, and let's just grab a hold of that. Um, during our time at my house, Karen and I have been uh, going through and organizing our basement, and that's included sorting through a number of pictures. And in fact, you can see some of these pictures here. And it's been a time of just reflecting back. And the picture here where Luke, on his first day of school, waiting for the bus back in the day, and uh, Emily, our daughter, sucking her thumb right next to him. Just what a sweet, special moment moment that was, and just all these pictures, and I don't know what was up with this uh, picture of us in college when um, they must have said, try the GQ look, and uh, obviously it didn't work, but uh, those are pictures, and just in that time, just going through all of these uh, special times, it has done something for me in remembering what God has done through and over the time of my life. Um, I have enjoyed being reflective on what God has been doing, seeing so many memories, seeing his sovereignty, so many just great special people that over time God has put in my life and around my life, as well as even just remembering the heavy times of life in that. But so many great memories, um, and uh, the Lord's been good in this time in uh, the course of my life. And that's been helpful to pull me back into the reality of in these unprecedented days, the God who has been sovereignly, lovingly, workingly over the course of my life, over the years, is active today. And uh, we need to be reminded of that. Um, Reliving through much of these pictures has kind of also fostered up, I'm gonna kind of call it a pastoral concern. And that pastoral concern has everything to do with today and this coming week. And that pastoral concern is that with all that is going around us and all the memories and the the things that are taking place that we might be losing sight of, we might even forget taking a concerted effort to see who our God is during this week. For instance, today is Palm Sunday. This week is the week that Christ goes to the cross for us. Uh, Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, so here's what I want to do. I want to kind of, coming off of the pictures and the stacks of pictures I've been sorting through, I want to put three stacks of pictures out for us today, and these Three stacks of pictures are going to be for you to be, as an individual, as families, to be pulling together and viewing together over this coming week. Here's stack number one. Stack number one is Palm Sunday. That's today. Uh, That's uh, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. 
Stack number two is the Passion Week. It's the week where Jesus is betrayed, he's flogged, he's crucified. That's coming up this week as we look back on what Christ has done. And stack number three is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, the, the pictures, the, the reality of Jesus rising from the dead and conquering sin and death and what a great reality of all that is. And, and know this, these three stacks of pictures associated with them, there's a theme that runs through this entire week of all of these activities some 2,000 years ago, and that is what we're talking about today. It's this, our God is just. Our God is just. Uh, today in this time, this is about a time where we're going to spend taking a look at the inherent, the intrinsic truth that God is just. And today is not about God's justice. Today is really not about God's judgment. I want to be clear on this. Uh, we are actually uh, going before those. We're preceding those because coming out of God's justness is God's justice and God's judgment. Today, we are holding on this idea of our God is just. This whole series has really been about us sitting down, taking a look at our God, and grabbing a hold of these intrinsic elements, these intrinsic attributes of who our God is, and just staying looking at him and beholding them. We haven't been going purposely into all the outworkings of how it all works and, and carries itself out. And so we're doing the same today. I want us to look at the Lord, take a look at our triune, eternal God, and spend some time understanding that that God, our God, is absolutely, perfectly, eternally just. Now, I want for you to know about today that it's a bit different, because here I'm going to be taking about 20 minutes to uh, go through this subject and you're asking yourself, did he just say you're actually going to take 20 minutes to go through this subject? And yep, that's what I just said. Here's what I want to do. Because it's Palm Sunday, and because we have Palm Sunday leading into the crucifixion and Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday, I want to take time for you as a family, uh, for those that have children, this morning is intended to be shorter so that the kids can come around. So I would like for you to invite your elementary school kids to sit in. This is going to be about 20, okay, maybe 23 minutes of time here uh, talking about this. But I believe that this is going to position you and position all of us to be able to enter into this week understanding a theme through this week. The reason Christ came, the reason Christ went to the cross, and ultimately the reason that Christ rose from the dead was because God is just, and he is carrying out his justness on those who are unjust, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So parents, I think this is going to be an appropriate time for your children with what's going on, but I also want adults to know this is not going to be Kids Ministry Sunday. Uh, we're talking to you, uh, and so it's going to be all together in this process uh, our God is just. So let's begin our 20 minutes here 
and uh, let's go. And let's do this. Let's begin with a definition. Our God is just. What does that mean? Well, let me kind of say this first. Kids, um, let me talk to you here. If I were to grab one word on what it means that God is just, I would say it this way. God is fair. He is fair. He is absolutely fair. Another word I could add in there would be right. God is right. And I don't mean that God is like that uh, bratty, that that braggy kind of like, I'm right, neener, neener, you're not. I don't mean it that way. Uh, Instead, we're talking about right and that God is rightly fair all the time. All the time, our God is totally, perfectly fair. He is rightly just. Our God is just. Parents, you can work that out some more with your kids this week. I would encourage you to do that. Adults, let me talk to you here. Let's get a little bit deeper. Let's maybe get some more adult words in this when we talk about this. Our God is just. The very intrinsic nature of who our God is, is equity. Our God is absolute equity. He, his very being is the being of righteous. God is righteously just. And I'm not saying that God has somehow earned his justness. Listen, we think that way. I'm not talking about God has gotten the crown of justness by going through some competition and he was the most high in the process of it. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about this. God is in his inherent being is absolutely and perfectly just. That's who he is. Absolutely the standard of righteous justness. He is the founder. He is the standard bearer of holy conformity. He rightly sees, he rightly deals with all things, all peoples, all events with holy justness. And his justness, it never varies. It never sways It never alters, it never morphs according to a particular mood that God might be in or a particular mindset that God might be in. That's how we do it, but not God. He is perfectly just. He is perfectly fair. I noted earlier that there's this intrinsic nature of his perfect, absolute justness. And that is what precedes his justice. His justness precedes his justice. His justness precedes his judgment. Know this. We are not talking about a God on this subject that is walking around angry all the time. Sometimes that's what can happen when we talk about this subject of God's justness. That uh, kids, I might say, God is not an angry, fire-breathing dragon that is just waiting to find out when something wrong happens and then he blows fire at it. 
We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is God is absolutely fair. God is absolutely just. Well, let's take that to Scripture. So if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Habakkuk. But here's what I want for you to do, particularly parents. Uh, Go to the contents page, the beginning pages of your Bible. Take a look there. Find Habakkuk in it. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Find the page number. Show your children. uh, Show one another uh, where it's at and go to that page. In my Bible, it's 785. Uh, So go to the book of Habakkuk. And while you're getting there, let me put two other verses on the table. You can note them down. One, Deuteronomy 32.4. It says this, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. This is the intrinsic nature, not even the actual outworking of that, just the intrinsic nature. Just and upright is our God, Deuteronomy 32.4. One other verse, Psalm 5.4. It doesn't have the word just in it, but, but listen to what it's doing because it's setting us up here with a picture for Habakkuk. Psalm 5.4 says this, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Evil may not dwell with you. It's this. The unjust cannot reside with, may not reside with, the just. That is absolutely fair. Let me say that again. The unjust cannot reside with the just. Let's work that out. Let's go to Habakkuk. We're in Habakkuk chapter 1, a little bit of the context here. Habakkuk is a prophet of God in the Old Testament. Uh, Actually here we find Habakkuk is frustrated with God, and he's frustrated with God because Habakkuk looks around at his world, and he doesn't understand why a just God would allow all the evil that he sees taking place around him. Why would God not punish it all now? Because wouldn't that be the fair thing to do? And so he's wrestling with this. He sees his enemies are triumphing and winning. He sees the wicked are prospering. He talks about how he sees the righteous suffering. And here in the beginning and really through the book of Habakkuk, it's this lament that's carried out. And here in chapter 1, it moves to verse 12. Let me read verse 12. Habakkuk says this. Are you not from everlasting eternal. O Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You can spend some more time studying this, but but let me kind of note this. What's happening is, is like kind of like a psalm, Habakkuk is kind of lamenting his questions about uh, what God is doing and why. And all of a sudden he comes to verse 12, and what does he do? He, he references back, important, to who God is. 
In his wondering what's going on, he goes back and note, he he references God as everlasting, as eternal. He references God as holy. We've talked about both of those. He references God as having ordained, uh, God as sovereign, and so forth. And he's bringing who God is into his circumstances upon which he's trying to wrestle out what God is doing. And then we come to verse 13. You, God, who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. That's from the English Standard Version. I learned it years ago in the New International Version, and I like what it says. It says this, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. I would say it this way. That is a statement that God is just. The just cannot reside with what is unjust. To do so would be wrong. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Now, our task today is, to, uh, is not to answer the why question or the, uh, what God is, is allowing in Habakkuk's day, or frankly in our day for that matter, But today our purpose is to grasp that our God is just. And that includes what Habakkuk notes here in verse 13. Know this. Our God's, as he terms here, eyes are absolutely pure. That he cannot look at evil. And it would be rightly, and you ponder this this week, Because to do so would be unjust. To do so would actually be unfair. And let me add, our God's justness and uprightness out of Deuteronomy 32.4, plus uh, what's said in Psalm 5.4 about evil may not dwell with you, add all of that into what Habakkuk is saying, that God cannot tolerate wrong. And what you have is absolute equity cannot reside with iniquity. Let me say that again. Absolute equity cannot reside with iniquity. The the just cannot reside with the unjust because to do so would be unjust, would be unfair. Now, right now, if I've lost you and if your mind is spinning, let me pull it together here. Because here's why we have a hard time grabbing a hold of the fact that our God is just. And the reason we have a hard time grabbing a hold of all this is because in our nature, we are unjust. And we live in an unjust world. And we do not get, we do not understand absolute justness. We do not understand absolute fairness. We intrinsically are not fair. We intrinsically are not just. And I say that because we view sin as an oops. We view sin as, well, it's a common mistake everybody makes because to err is human. 
Let me pull this together. Uh, someone wiser than our R.C. Sproul's. I'd like for us to follow through. I've got about three paragraphs here. I think we'll pull this together for us. Listen to what R.C. Sproul has to say here. We tolerate what is wrong. In fact, if we don't tolerate what is wrong, we can't tolerate each other or even ourselves. In order to live with myself as a sinner, I have to learn to tolerate something that is evil. If my eye were too holy to behold iniquity, I'd have to shut my eye anytime I was with someone else and they would see me in me, a man who has besmirched the image of God. He goes on. We are so accustomed to our fallenness and corruption that while our normal sensibilities may be offended when we see someone involved in a gross and heinous criminal crime, normal, everyday disobedience to God doesn't bother us. We don't think it's that important. Because to err is human and to forgive is divine. The result is that we accept sin. Last paragraph. In fact, we are so accustomed to sin that we do it all the time. We can't define a human being without defining our humanness as fallen. And we can't possibly maintain life itself apart from grace. By the way, that's the coming weeks. He finishes with this. The portrait that we get in the scriptures of man in his fallen condition is that he, is that she, is utterly and thoroughly, listen to this right now in our time of pandemic, he, she is utterly and thoroughly infected by sin in the whole person. I read that and, and I go, this is why we can't understand, uh, fully grasp a hold of, we struggle to grasp a hold of why God can be fair, why God is unjust, just like Habakkuk, when all that is going on around. But the fact is, is we can't grasp it fully because we so reside as infected people. We're living in a, in a pandemic right now. In fact, even this morning as, as we gather to pull all this together, we're very careful ourselves on, on uh, being around the few people that are here. Why? Because if someone is infected, that's a problem. And we are utterly and thoroughly and intrinsically infected by sin. And God is utterly and thoroughly and intrinsically without infection. And to put the infected in with the non-infected would not be fair, would not be right. You see, 
something has to happen. We need an antidote to the problem at hand. And the infected cannot dwell with, cannot reside in the presence of the uninfected. That's what those verses are talking about. That which is unjust cannot dwell with that which is just. Which leads us to one other verse that I kind of want to pull us to here at the closing of our time. Open your Bibles to Romans 6. Romans 6. Very familiar passage. We're in the New Testament. Romans chapter 6. Let me read verse 23. For the wages, that's the payment, that's the earned compensation. For the wages of sin is death. We're not just talking physical death. We're making reference here specifically in Romans to spiritual death with God. For the earned payment of sin is separation. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. By the way, there's the antidote. A a couple comments here. For the wages of sin, the just payment is separation spiritually from God. Why? Because the unjust, the infected by sin, cannot dwell with the uninfected, with holiness. That would not be just. But note in it, there's a hope. But the free gift of God is eternal life. By the way, that is essentially saying that somehow there is a gift where the unjust can dwell with, can reside with for eternity with our triune God that is absolutely fair and just. But how can the infected ones, how can the iniquity ones reside with the uninfected one, with the holy one. Look at the verse. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's my point. That's this week. That's what this coming week is all about. A stack of pictures for us to go through and remind ourselves and to see and remember what God has done and who God is. The just one came to provide the opportunity for the infected ones to be able to be given an antidote. So that they could have a residing eternity with our God. So let's take all that and let's finish with our three pictures. Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day when we reflect back upon the time when the beginning of Passover week and Jesus enters in Jerusalem and there are probably likely 100,000, a couple hundred thousand people lining the way as Jesus enters in and they are declaring, hallelujah, son of David. And yet, by the way, you go look at the text. 
you will find here that even part of the whole entry, Jesus weeps over what's going on. Why? Because the just one is entering in to step in the place for the unjust. You work that through. It's Passion Week. Jesus is then betrayed. He's flogged. He's beaten to the point of death. He's crucified. What happens in that? The just one takes on the sin, the payment that all of the unjust ones should pay, but are unable to do it because they're infected. The uninfected one takes on the just wrath, judgment for sin from the Father. Join us, Good Friday, online. Actually, Karen and I are going to be a part of leading that. We're going to talk about this more. The just one coming in and paying the price for us unjust infected ones. It's amazing. And then Resurrection Sunday. Jesus fully conquers sin and death. Why? Because one that was absolutely holy, absolutely just, took on the fair judgment, the fair justice of the Father on the cross, and now he makes that exchange available to us. What we should be taking on as the infected ones, he came down to take on for us. And that free gift is available. You see, we don't become just. We are covered with the justness of our Savior. Jesus is the antidote to the pandemic of sin. The just one came for the unjust. God, I thank you so much that you are a just God. You are fair. You are rightly fair, rightly just. This is one of these subjects that presses us, pushes us. We have to sit and ponder it through. And I pray, God, we would. Would you help us? Would you work through us this week, this day, as we consider the second person of the Trinity that came in, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead. The just one took on the payment that the unjust should take but couldn't. And he now makes that free gift available. And I'm reminded of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I would pray if there's anyone today, child, teenager, adult, who is not sure that they have been covered by the work of Christ, 
I pray that they would ask. I pray that they would seek you. I pray that they would receive the free gift that has been made available. Lord, you are just, perfectly so. And we thank you for it. We adore you for it. And we are dependent upon it in every manner of our being. Thank you for being our antidote. In Christ's name I pray.